and happy birthday to my beloved. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. This week on the podcast, hello, Mr. Chael. That's not what we do. My name is Elaine. I'm Carly. John. Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. (laughs) I'm science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. I have action adventure. <laughs> Normally, we pick movies from our genre that are under. What is the dog doing that everybody is freaking out? He's, about? he's murdering the elephant. the elephant. Okay. Normally, we pick movies from our genre that are unappreciated. But no, no, nay, nay. This month is John's birthday. Boss looks so satisfied too that he was destroying that toy. <laughs> is this Sorry. the first pick for your birthday? No. Just a second. Oh, Carly's. Was, we did. Yeah. Okay. Carly's pick. Which one? Would be the last. Yeah. What was that? You don't remember what it last was? Last Action Hero. Wow. <laughs> so long ago. I listened to it. <laughs> it was so long ago. Last Action Hero. Now we're on to. Um, um, executive that's right. Decision. 1996. Six. Six. I was going to say seven. Oh, I didn't oh, write that down. Normally I do. Yeah, did. <laughs> and the episode number, which I see you yeah. got right here. I'll forget that later. All right. Let's talk Executive Decision. Okay. This movie was made in 1996. And for some reason, I felt like I had forgotten that Kurt Russell was an action star. <laughs> Even though the movie he did right before this was Stargate. Which we did on the podcast. Which we did on the podcast. Um, this movie has a 63 thermometer with a 53 audience score, a, tw- a 62 Metacritic with a 6.5 out of 10. It had a budget of $55 million. Million dollars. In the United States, it grossed $56 million. Wow. It did not make its no. money back. Worldwide gross was only one $121 million, but this was a financially not a success. I mean, when you start bringing in, uh, you know, DVD sales, maybe they broke even. Now what? He's killing a cow. What is your obsession with murdering animals today? Stop it. So they're toys, Daddy. Of course, I'm this was directed by. Don't eat the octopus. Jay will be very sad. Wow, I can't read my notes. Hold on, I got to go to the IMDb so I can read this director's name. Um, Stuart Baird. Forgot a D. It looks like his name was Student Rare. Student uh, Bard. Stuart Baird. He also directed U.S. Marshals, which is a very good movie, mm-hmm. and Star Trek Nemesis, which was a, Not a movie. Good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it was a movie. Technically, that was a movie. Carly, seen that one? No. Shocking. I haven't seen U.S. Marshals either. You haven't seen U.S. Marshals? You will. Okay. So this was maybe written... not this year, maybe next year. <laughs> this is written by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. Now, related? I cannot tell if they're brothers or if they're actually the same person. And sometimes he goes by Jim, and sometimes he goes by John. Their IMDb blurbs are identical, <laughs> but their IMDb are they twins? Like everything is, I get they worked on all the same movies. They have all the same credits. Are they twins? Mm-hmm. Like Danny DeVito so, and Arnold Schwarzenegger? But it doesn't say. There's no background information about they're the son of my brother. Is like there's no personal information on their IMDb. They're both the son of their mother. Yes, but they could be the same person or they could be brothers. That's very hard. Or maybe they're not related at all and it's just the weirdest writing team coincidence of all time. Or it's yeah. one guy saying he's a writing team to make twice the money. Perhaps. Oh, maybe. But this... I'm going to use some air quotes. This writing team, air quotes, uh, were behind Predator 1 and 2. Fuck yeah. 
Wild Wild West. I not every one's a home run. Giant <laughs> fucking spiders. That movie is better than people think. Welcome back mm. to the podcast. A Behind Enemy Lines. Mm. And Mission, oh, with Owen Wilson. Yes, and Mission mm. to Mars. Oh, that was terrible. It was also a movie. So I feel like he peaked with his first movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Predator. It's been all downhill since then. Mm. Because we've talked about his work. There's a hierarchy in Predator movies. Says Predator, Predator Two, and there's that new Prey movie. But some people think the new Prey movie is the best Predator movie ever. Well, they're all wrong. Yeah. Because the first Predator movie is I have to watch is Predator magic. Two again. John just watched it. I watched it the same day we watched Prey. Because okay. I wasn't sure if it was a better movie or a worse movie than Predator 2. So I, I needed just, to watch I Predator 2 and figure it out. thinking Predator 2 was that great. It's well, when very you compare 90s. It to Predator 1. <laughs> What's that? When you compare it to Predator 1. Well, th- here's, <laughs> here's the thing. is, And I've, I've swam around in this all week with people going crazy about Predator and Alien movies. Here's the thing is, they're all terrible. Except no. for like the first Predator movie, the first Alien movie, and the first Aliens, Aliens movie. They're all amazing. Yeah. All the rest of them are different levels of what, how terrible are they. <laughs> but people want to argue every little fact about them. Wait a minute, but in Alien 3, I'm like, dude, why are you watching Alien 3? <laughs> well, yeah, but, Alien 3 was good. It had one on a rider in it. No, it was not good. It no, wasn't. that was Alien 4. Was no, it was 3. No, 3 is where she's stuck on the prison planet and shaves her head bald. Oh, yeah. You're right. Three is an interesting movie. It's not... Three is interesting because of the, pr- the prison yeah. thing. It it it's a little bit interesting. They tried to do something different. It wasn't quite as successful as they wanted it to. But people always forget about. We really food. need to change our seats because Elaine just stares at herself the entire podcast. <laughs> I'm making eye contact with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's off in the mirror again. <laughs> well, I'm so pretty. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, Predator One is so much better than anything else in the franchise. Welcome. And I'll even go out of our second aliens. review of Predator. Predator or Aliens, which one's a better movie? I'd, um, I'd, I'd say, say they're about, I'd say they're Oh, both Aliens same. is way better. No, Predator's not way better. I'd say Predator's a little bit better than Aliens, which is better than Alien. Why do you say that? Because of the cast? The second one? Yeah. Oh, because no. the second one was a genre, is, is genre swap to action adventure. The first mm-hmm. one was a horror movie. But that's not why you like it more. I like it better because it's a better cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a better story. That's what I figured, because yeah. like... Aliens, only, it's, it's so, Bean yeah, and <laughs> Sigourney Weaver and... Paul Reiser. <laughs> like, and Paul Reiser hand. <laughs> yeah. I gotta tell you, I prefer Aliens to, or Aliens over Alien, because I like more action in my movies and less horror, because, you know, I yeah. get scared. Mm-hmm. But Alien is the superior film, and Alien and Aliens are both a better movie than Predator. Wrong. Ooh. Wrong. That's tough. Predator is a good movie, but Predator is also... A 90s, a very 90s movie. Predator is a very 80s movie. Well, very 80s. It's it's that, <laughs> you're right, very 80s. Super 80s movie. But it's that 80s, 90s, like, heavy a lot action. Of stuff that happens there's in almost. It was the 80s. <laughs> there's very no plot to that. And, like, there's you know, a lot of plot to it. No, the plot is thin. The writing is very, very thin. It's very thin. It's a good concept and it's an enjoyable film, but it's not like the kind of opus that Alien is. <laughs> I don't think the words opus and alien have ever been put in the same sense before. <laughs> alien is a good movie by any metric. Yeah. Predator is a good movie by some metrics. <sighs> Can we talk about executive decision now? We'll just I suppose. Agree to disagree on this. Uh, this stars... And it's uh, my birthday. <laughs> this stars uh, Kurt Russell as the character David Grant. First well, time on the podcast. He's, no. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. Captain Ron. Yep. Stargate. Yep. Soldier. Yep. 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yep. and Tango and Cash. I feel like you missed one. I feel like you missed one too. Which one was it? Mm. I went through his IMDb. I did Trouble China? I said yeah, that. Oh. Same again. Real Tango and Cash. I said that. It's Big Trouble in Little China, Captain Ron, Stargate, Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and Tango and Cash. What else was he in? I thought it was six last time. Mm. Oh, well. I just feel like two. There's no way to find out. Five, six, and this makes seven. There's no way to find out. You do some research. I'll I'll carry on. Uh, This also stars John Leguizamo as the character of Captain Rat Lopez. Hmm? What was he in? Oh, what? Chef. He was in Chef. Oh, Chef, Chef. Okay. I was just, I, we were talking to Carly. I was like, he's been in a lot of stuff we've done. And then no, he's like, like, no, he hasn't. He's been in like, like one or two. I was like, it yeah. seems like he's been in a lot of stuff. I'm pretty like, sure Chef, I went through I think it was this. I'm pretty sure Chef was the only thing that we've done because we haven't done Spawn. Why um, we and we're not Spawn? going to. And we also haven't done John Wick because John hasn't picked it for a birthday pick. Because it doesn't qualify. Yeah. I a said birthday. for a birthday pick. I have a birthday pick and I'm sorry. I know. That movie's me false. It's like he's not paying attention to what I'm saying. I'm sorry, what'd you say, dear? And then he was in Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Oh, shit. He, he plays Tibble, the Prince of Cats. He had really cool shoes. He but was, you would never want to buy those because they were metal on the bottom and they would clink, 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 clink everywhere you went. He was fantastic <laughs> in that, even though I think that movie is a piece of dog trash. We need to watch that again. That's... Okay, you can. And also, he's... <laughs> with Claire Danes. <laughs> she said, okay, you can. <laughs> also, he's the voice of Sid in Ice Age, Kurt which I Russell quite like. Russell was in Vanilla Sky. Apparently so. Sure. That's what I'm doing. Just like he says. was in Forrest Gump. The Tribune never lies. Oh, that's true. Um, then we have. Oh, ha- Stargate. I said Stargate. Did you say Stargate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit. Tombstone. Tombstone. Oh, Tombstone. There we go. I was gonna oh, say I know it was one more because we just did it. We just did this count. You're right. He was in Tombstone. There you go. Great movie. How could I forget? About maybe Tombstone. one of his best. Not his best. But one of his best. Oh yeah. Let's not start another argument because we'll be arguing over his best movie. But we have time. But that's seven. So this, this would make eight? eight. This makes eight. Wow. Dang. Okay. Dang. Also, we have. He's in that Stallone Ew. right here. I think I need to pick up more Stallone because he's falling to, behind. He might, he might be. Uh, I bet I could get a couple more Kurt Russell in. Um, oh, yeah. Then we have Kurt Holly Berry as the flight attendant Jean. She um, was... Welcome back to the podcast. Is yes. this her second thing? This is her third. She was also on Swordfish and The Last Boy Scout. Both my movies. And then, of course, someday I might pick Die Another Day because I quite enjoyed that Bond film. Well, um, and Swordfish then she... was after this. Because Swordfish was in the 2000s. Yeah. Yes, but it, on the podcast, she's welcome back to the podcast for The Last Boy Scout yeah. and Swordfish. Mm-hmm. And someday I might pick Die Another Day if we do an all-Bond month. Ooh, and uh, she's That's also Frosty, in right? X-Men. Yeah. That was his last one. And Boomerang. Boomerang, I watched that recently. Not good. It's interesting. I'm going to go with not good. All right. Then we have Oliver Platt playing Cahill. Of course, welcome back to the podcast from Lake Placid. Just saying. Um, And Chef. And And someday, maybe someone will pick Benny and June or the best Three Musketeers movie on the planet or maybe Ready to Rumble just for fun. How many flights are in that one? <laughs> no. No. This is the best one. Not, not by the every one. metric. But DJ's got to come and be ready to rumble. All right. Then we got Joe Morton as the character of Cappy, 
the bomb man, and he, of course, welcome back to the podcast from T2, yeah. and Batman versus Superman, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and someday maybe I'll pick Paycheck, <laughs> the movie that Tony borrowed and never watched and had for nine months. <laughs> could be worse. He could have borrowed a movie for nine months and he had it at his house already, his <laughs> own copy. But it's on my list. Um, then we have... It's something about the way he grew up, because I lent a buddy of mine a movie and it took him a year to fucking watch it. The movie was 90 minutes. Then we have... Um, I blame all of you. Our other... <laughs> Commandos, we've got uh, Steven Seagal playing Lieutenant Colonel Austin Welcome Travis. Back Welcome back from Under Siege. And he was also in. I don't know. Lots of movies. <laughs> the Time to Kill. Oh, he wasn't in The Time to Kill. I don't know. He was in Mark for Death, Love mm-hmm. the Law, Out for Justice. They all have three names. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have B.D. Wong as Sergeant Louis <laughs> Jung. Of course, recently on the podcast in Father of the Bride. Mm-hmm. Playing a completely different but, character. Look at the range on this guy. Let's not <laughs> give a little respect to B.D. Wong here. See the range on this motherfucker? I mean, all, and he plays a completely different person in Jurassic Park. He's yeah. got quite a... It's called range. He's quite awesome. Unlike and then, The Rock, who always plays The Rock. Then we well, got, let's be fair, Ryan Reynolds, who always plays Ryan Reynolds. Then we got Whip Hubley. That's a fun name. Somebody named their kid Whip. Um, as Sergeant Baker. It's short for whippersnapper. He uh, is, of course... It from Top Gun and Species. And mm. I thought he was the guy from Roxanne, but he's not. That's a completely different dude. That's Slider. Slider. Mm. That's who I thought he was, too, at first. And then... Uh, he's stuck. Hassan, just as fun, the bad guy, Hassan, is uh, played by David Sushet. And I can figure out why he looks so familiar. And then I realized he's Perot from... <laughs> The, ser- the detective series, Hercule Poirot. Oh, okay. Mm. He's also in Iron Eagle, which you will be seeing soon. The first oh. one? Yeah. That guy that plays Corsofizio was in that movie. Yes. I don't know what his name is, though. Okay. But, yeah, I watched a thing about um, Top Gun. It was like, well, here's a movie that came out around the same time as Top Gun that you don't remember. <laughs> Same with Firefox. I was like, Iron Eagle, that's amazing. I don't remember Firefox, but I remember Iron Eagle. But did it, Firefox did it, had Clint Eastwood, and there was a special AI jet or something that he took. It was all right. I'm the only movie about an AI jet I've ever seen. Fly the was stealth. With stealth. Oh No, Fly the Navigator. That's an alien. <laughs> stealth. It had, it had an AI. Alien. I know you are, but I'm like, oh. That, that movie was that crazy. That might have been that? a, you know what? Really? That might have been a Transformer. Yeah. Why are you so shocked? <laughs> Everybody saw that in the 80s. It's on Disney+. Plus. You should watch it. She wasn't born until almost the end of the 80s. That's fair. We're right smack dab in the middle. <laughs> almost the end. She missed the whole thing. She was yeah, just like, I was too small yeah, for most say, of the In those 80s. first couple years of life, never really cognizant in watching movies. You might have been in the room when it was, was on. But you know. I actually was raised in the 90s. <laughs> I started school in 1990. Um, <laughs> what did you think going into this movie, Tony? thought it wasn't Flight of the Navigator. I was like, I've only seen this once in the theater, and I didn't care for it. I saw it too. But let's see if, I, if I'm remembering it wrong. And minor spoiler, I did remember it wrong. Interesting. So we'll see how it went. Uh, John, what did you think? I thought, hey, I saw this in the theater. Excellent. Remember the big thing that the, the commercial was like big. Seagal, Kurt Russell, and then spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I did not see this with Vic. Hey. Uh, I saw this with Steve. Oh. Interesting, Carly. What did you think going in? I knew nothing about this movie other than what you guys had said that Steve Seagal and Kurt Russell and Halle Berry were in it. That's, that's and that it. was all you needed. And blind. John, would you like to talk about why Steven Seagal had such a small part in this movie? Yes. Because he's a douche canoe? Um, no, because there was an allegation of domestic abuse from his ex-wife. So they took his role that was... Kelly LeBrock? 
Yes. That was overly expanded and cut it down to just the beginning part and gave all of his stuff to Rat. Uh, to John Leguizamo. So well, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell no, refused, didn't, didn't want to work with him. And Kurt Russell wanted him to do nothing to him. Like, they, every time I listen to a podcast that they mention Saturday Night Live, they, somebody from Saturday Night Live brings up how he was the worst guest they ever had because he was an absolute asshole. And he got into a fight with like John Leguizamo. Definitely a douche canoe. Yeah. And was always a douche canoe. Yeah. So. Well, I think John Leguizamo probably did a better job with all this. Like, it wouldn't have been the same movie if he had done it. No, and you got to think if, if Steven Seagal was in it, the role would have been different. He'd have been killing people and being all Steven Seagal. There's no way that Kurt Russell would have been in charge the way he was yeah. if Steven Seagal had not died. Yeah. yeah. Unless he was injured like Captain. I almost sent you a thing on Instagram the other day to laugh at because it was it was him teaching a class in Makito uh-huh. and he's like yeah so when someone comes at you you know how they do where mm-hmm. they throw people like magic and shit he fucking dry gulches this motherfucker in the throat <laughs> like he does the whole tap tap and hits him in the throat and he goes is this how you do it da da and you're like okay so that's how he's gonna do it he goes full speed I thought he killed this man because he hits yeah. him in the throat so hard that the guy goes bam like it's I was like Jesus Christ well, dude why would you hit somebody in the throat so I will say yeah as someone whose father trained Aikido mm-hmm. and used to use that shit on his children to break up their fighting, mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing, they do throw you like magic. No, but not by the throat. <laughs> no, no. What, what I never... know about Aikido is Aikido works really well if you're bigger than the person you're doing yeah. it on. Yep. And Steven Seagal is a lot bigger than everybody else he's yep. doing it to. Put someone who's the same size as Steven Seagal, he's not throwing them anymore. It works right. really good if they have no idea what they're doing yeah. and if they're smaller than you. Yeah. Which... Most martial arts work a lot better if they're smaller than you and they don't know right. what they're doing. I always have the same argument. Someone says, well, this, this, this is my... Hey, they use that in UFC? No. There you go. And the other guy knows <laughs> well, what he's doing. Well, I wonder why. Or watch the first few yeah. uh, UFCs. I mean, the only one that I will give some credit to is like your Krav Maga style yeah. stuff. Because that's all hitting in the eyes. Yeah. Right, and nuts. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's all illegal. Yeah. Would you like to hear what some other people thought? I thought it was... Actually, I have a review I thought. you have a review oh you do this i was looking at the reviews i know but this this was a weird one it's like i okay. know but this one's really good well i was like i gotta see if people gave this a 10 out of 10 uh-huh and there is one someone did there was there's there was more than one okay well there's who wants 20. to go first go ahead tony okay mark Mulder. Mm-hmm. maybe i'm not the person to ask but when steven seagal is in a movie i just have to see it however big or small the part of the movie is i'm a fan of and have collected all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Is quotation mark? Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. I think because he's trying to make sure you understand he means Steven Seagal. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bit sad that he's getting older, but I watch the movies in a different perspective. His movies aren't what they used to be, but in this movie, you don't notice that at all. On a serious note, I guess that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> On a serious note, the movie is well <laughs> worth watching because of the plot. It's not that it's original, but it's one of the best ec- executed in its entire genre. Really? It makes you wonder if the terrorists have watched some of these kinds of movies and got inspired to do something similar. <laughs> is, is Enjoy that, the movie. Is this yours? One of your no, reviews? I saw that review, and I only read half of it, and I passed on it to read this review. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, this is, we'll all agree this is the diehard genre. This was 10 out of 10. Yeah. yeah, this is the diehard genre. They're saying this is one of the best? <laughs> oh, no. It gets better. And... And I passed on that one to read this one. I'll read you the title at the end because I don't want to spoil it. But superb film. Gripping to the last moment. 
More importantly, it tells the despicable, scary, and filthy mindset of Islamic fundamentalists. In the name of God, they justify everything. The film exposes such dangerous ideology, which today threatens the very existence of humanity. Brilliant film. This was written on July 16th, 2020 by the Whoa. user Sanjeet9, and it's titled 9-11 was predicted in 1996. Great film. Four exclamation points. Wow. <laughs> so this person is using their IMDb reviews to spout their crackpot theories. It's not Alex Jones 664. It's it? Sanjeet wow. 9. Wow. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. That's well, and sad. Scary. <laughs> and sad because that person obviously has some problems. Doesn't understand that every religion has done that. <laughs> <laughs> the number one, the number one cause of death has been God. <laughs> you worship God? Yes. Is it the same God as me? No. They, Kill them. <laughs> they perhaps need to learn a little bit more about the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> and the Crusades. the Crusades 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> so then. Crusade harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Crusade with a vengeance. <laughs> uh, mm. Crusade another day. <laughs> and then on the flip side. Golden Crusade. This That person gave it a 10 out of 10, by the way. Oh, I, I bet. Gary, <laughs> or Garl Brummett, on, Janu- Brenner. on January 24th of 2021, rates this a 1 out of 10. So, so, so bad. <laughs> A plot with holes big enough to throw a truck through, mediocre, mediocre acting at best, and cheesy cliche dialogue. But hey, Holly Berry is nice to look at, so there's that. <laughs> Pick this one because he's a misogynist douchebag. <laughs> that wasn't a very good review. Mm-mm. And Holly but, Berry's good to look at? I know. I mean, if the only reason why you're watching movies is because of the way somebody looks, you know those pictures and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, much shorter... You could just watch clips of her. You could just... Yeah. <laughs> there was one that was like an actual good review. She's not even really good. Like a good, bad that. review, well thought out. But I mean, then the guy bad. gives him a four out of ten. Really do a whole lot with her. And you can't tell yeah. me how shitty this is and then give it a yeah. four out of ten. Just like I you don't, can't say how I think good about it, it She's it not really in Yeah, I just don't get it. She's yeah. like, walks around, answers the phone. Well, she wasn't really a I big mean, star at this point. Yeah. She She does a lot when you think about the movie. Like... Things couldn't have happened certain ways if she had done it. Who do you think it's it. Halle Berry? You're like she didn't do but much. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of wasted Halle Berry. But she wasn't Halle uh, Berry, Marla yeah. Maples, who was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so that was like, there's a Trump in this. <laughs> like, what? What? First of all, why is she an, an actress? Because she was an actress for a while. Yeah, <laughs> was she? She wasn't very good. She had like 27 acting credits. I looked because I her was name? like, have was I seen it? her and stuff? She still has some newer ones. What's her name was in it almost as long as Seagal, and she's been in fucking hundreds of movies. Yeah. yeah. The mom from everything. Monster Squad. Yeah, the yeah. mom from everything. Yeah. So welcome back to the podcast. But I'm surprised, like, when she died, I was like, oh shit, I yeah. forgot about that. There's a bunch of people in this movie, like all of the people in the uh, Pentagon the meeting room, like oh, those God. have been in a bajillion movies. Yeah. Like the Secretary of Defense, he's the dad from Blue Bloods. Yeah, I know. Or the yeah. grandpa. The grandpa. Papa. The dad, All the those dad is, old uh, white men Tom have Tom been Tom in Tom. a million things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conservatively. I think it's not 199,000. <laughs> You're right. They, You're are play, they are playing conservative old white men. <laughs> um, what year was this? 96? No, they were Democrats. Mm. A little of this, a little of that. Was that Clinton? That was Clinton. So, May 17th, 1995. 15 miles outside of... Some place in Italy that I can't pronounce. It's 5 a.m. Some place in Italy. Trist is how it looked, but I know that that's not how you say it. 
<laughs> exactly how you say it, dear. Tristan. <laughs> we see a special. Bolami. <laughs> First most. Like I said, third best. Uh, we see a yeah, special. Why don't you shut up? Why don't you start practicing that right now? <laughs> <laughs> we see a special forces unit um, infiltrating a potential Chechnyan mafia safe house. Also, don't look at my notes because I can't spell Chechnyan. No, I, I couldn't um, either. So. You can't spell. We all know that. <laughs> Their object is to... I mean facts. And I was just thinking about soldier. Oh, soldier. <laughs> soldier. <laughs> soldier is what you himself. put in a trebuchet. <laughs> soldier. Soil and green is people. Um... They're hoping to recover a deadly ga- a gas. You also can't read. <laughs> Nerve gas? Was it? Yeah, it's yeah. a demo. DZ5. I thought it was DZ7. Well, who knows? It was a deadly gas. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, so we see them infiltrate this we'll location. MacGuffin. Gunfight, gunfight, gunfight. One guy doesn't properly clear the room and gets killed. After Rat said, you didn't clear the room. And then he gets wasted. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is DZ5. Look, I wrote that. And then they go down to the super secret vault and I break know. in. There's no nerve gas. But there's no nerve gas. It was there, but it's not here now. Did he get chocolate wasted? It's an empty no. room. It's just an empty wasted. room. I want to get chocolate wasted. I have a giant so, total room. Thank you, and you get a great, uh, I love these these shots and every time I see it in the movie when people run into a, a building and start shooting everyone, uh-huh. there's always the guy that gets shot and falls over a railing. Uh-huh. Wilhelm. I, lo- I love that. And they give the Wilhelm. Yeah, a lot of times they do Wilhelm. I feel like that happens a lot in these kind of commando movies. I love the fall. No one does it better than Hot Shots, though. <laughs> I have to rewatch One of the guys in this movie was in Hot oh, Shots. Oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. The, band the band. Hot Shots is terrible. No. Oh, you know who's in this? Hope Jensen. What about... Um, what was the other one uh, with where they do leap the weapon? Loaded, Loaded weapon. weapon. Is that bad? Oh, it's you watch terrible. That they're, 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 they were terrible naked. Dude, dude. What about the, the naked... cameo's awesome, though. What yeah. about the naked gun? Is that one good? Oh, no. The first one was okay. The second one was not. The third one, don't ever watch that again. I usually don't watch a third. The, the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch a first movie. I'll watch a sequel. I rarely go in for That's the two. third installment. The direct to blockbuster release. No, that, that came was out in uh, theaters. I remember the commercials for thirty three and a third. Oh, yeah. I think that's the only one I've ever seen. You started so with the third one because it was probably on TV. It was on TV, and I want to say one of my parents thought it was probably my dad because my mom doesn't watch movies. Thought it was funny. We so, talked about I've that when we did Short Circuit. That we that I saw the second one a bajillion times because it was on TV and yeah. hardly ever saw the first one. I don't think I've seen it all the way through though, just parts. Hmm. Enough to know that it's dumb. It is. <laughs> um, then we get three then months be, later. Then be truthers. No, what is it? Then be facts. That do be facts. It do be facts. No, then be facts. <laughs> three months later, we meet David Grant, a PhD who works for an army intelligence think tank. Sounds more like a DIC. He's kid. getting a flying lesson. And uh, it's he, he lands the plane after second guessing himself. I like that. What'd you forget? I don't know. Just tell me. Nothing. Land the plane. <laughs> so he lands the plane, and then his instructor tells him that he's ready to go up for a solo run. His first solo run. And just as he gets ready to go up, we see a Huge SUV yeah. roll up and says that he has a very important phone call from the Pentagon. Uh-huh. 
What are you doing? So now I like he's the cell not phone gonna on this go girl. solo. See the cell phone on this chick? It's then amazing. We see, <laughs> we see a wedding and it gets attacked and a terrorist, El Sahid Jaffa, Jaffa, I can't say this correctly. Yaffa. It's like a Y. But it starts with a J, but it's like a Y. Uh, he gets captured. Jehovah starts with this. <laughs> he gets kidnapped slash captured. Kidnapped slash cast? No, it's one or the other. You can't have both. Well, the way they it's talk about it. Well, they say at first that he gets kidnapped and then he was turned over to the American authorities, yeah. which makes it seem like the American authorities were not the ones that kidnapped him, but his helpful kidnappers then turned him into the police. Um, you can't be, no, you can, one or the other. And then... That's my stance. Da- a, da- they're at David's office and him and his think tank team, think tank? His think, think tank. tank team are discussing the incident about um, how he got kidnapped and turned over and is now in custody. Uh-oh. Got no restriction. And then 10 days later, in Greece, we see some people boarding a plane. This is our plane. We know this because we see our flight attendants, who are main characters. <laughs> <laughs> who ordinarily have plot armor, but not this one. <laughs> one of the passengers is a United States they senator. They didn't have any budget for plot armor in this. <laughs> one of the passengers is an air marshal. Mm-hmm. One of the passengers has very bad fake now, the facial air marshal, hair. Every time I see that guy who played the air marshal, uh-huh. I think of Office Space because he's the one who has the jump to conclusions, Matt. Yeah, he's in all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, he had like four hundred. Tony was like, "That dude's familiar," and I was like, "Yeah, he is." I'm not checking though. <laughs> I'm sure he's been on our podcast multiple times, but I did not check. Too many to weed through. <laughs> then we, we meet... He may be the, the, the leader. <laughs> we meet Jean and Allison, our flight attendants. Allison is getting married, and Jean bought her a gift. It's, it's a very, very exciting gift. That was it very sweet. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel bad later when she gets snuffed out. Um, then we flash to a restaurant. And a terrorist gentleman, who was also in all kinds of shit. I recognize that gentleman... He was, oh, yeah, Tony was like, remind that? That's a dude from Boo. Crocodile Oh, yeah, Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. That's exactly what he, he said. He knows about their black magic. <laughs> yes. They call him ja da 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 which means man, the crocodile that walks, walks like a man. man. <laughs> that is the gentleman from Crocodile Dundee. eventually. I love that. That's movie. the second one. I love both of them. It is the second one. What is the third one? Nobody likes that movie. That was just, a, that just like Elaine just said, don't come in for the third one. one. No, look, Paul Hogan had to remodel a bathroom, so he did Crocodile Dundee 3. Nobody used to see that I had to remodel my bathroom, my bathroom movie. You know when we learned that? When we watched Tank Girl. Fair. First one's good, second one's whatever. They're both good. I like the second one. I like one. the second one. But third one is really dumb. For the chance of getting out of here with that jacket. He throws a knife in the guy's mohawk. <laughs> Better than average. Yeah, I'll go with that. And then there's a there's a weird one that's a mockumentary or something. Yeah. Where I didn't watch that's that. That's kind of new. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Anyways. I saw it and was like, oh, I'd like to check that out sometime. And years have gone by and I haven't checked it out. I mean, I feel like we already know a lot about Crocodile Dundee 2 because we've been through its IMDb Well, he is trivia. the Crocodile. <laughs> we've we've, like we've been through their trivia a couple of times yeah. for various comedic effect to really make John insane. <laughs> 
the only way to fight back is if we did Crocodile Dundee 2 and, and John you no used the Cobra trivia. Oh, God. <laughs> we could be here for a while. Yeah. God, what episode podcast. was that, Crocodile? I think it was Cobra. It could not have been Cobra when we were referencing. I don't know. I don't want to. Audra, do you know what episode that was? All right, I'll tell you what, friends. We're having our first contest here on the podcast. If you could tell me what episode it was where Tony kept reading Crocodile Dundee 2 Facts, we're going to send you a special gift. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a duck. Oh. A, a duck. duck. A duck. Are you going to buy a special duck or are a you going to steal duck. one of my ducks? No, a special duck. No, not, not a wooden duck. A rubber duck. Like a jeep duck. Jeep duck. Jeep duck. A jeep duck? Mm-hmm. Oh, All right, yeah. so this terrorist blows up a and, restaurant. And it will sing Ya Ya Ding Dong. Then we wow, see... Wow, this is a fancy duck. <laughs> we're on the plane. That last part's not true. We see a man... Everything else is true. Friends, get back to me on that one. Or we'll just call you up and sing Ya Ya Ding Dong over the phone. Last night, I spent 45 minutes watching some guy's playlist of the top five Eurovision songs from every country, uh, every country in his opinion. Wow. 45 minutes long. Watch the whole thing. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, so we, we're back on the plane. We see a man with some very obviously facial, fake facial hair go to the bathroom where he puts a gun together and changes his clothes. Which is back when they didn't check shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's Because you watch it now, you're like, there's no way that's getting through. This no. is Najee. You have a camera, the first thing to do is take that fucker apart. Hassan, the henchman, the number one henchman for El Sayed Yaffa. All right, so then we see, we get a sequence where the terrorists slowly take over the plane. And they inform the U.S. Embassy in London of the hijacking because that is where the terrorists blew up the restaurant. So after they blew up the restaurant, they contact the embassy and they tell the embassy that we blew up this restaurant. There's some pre-recorded message that they're giving them to show how serious we are. And now we've hijacked this plane. And you need to um, give up all of our debate. Give us our demands. So then we're at we're in D.C. and we see Dr. Grant and a fancy party. And we all know that the U.S. policy is donde esta biblioteca, which means we don't negotiate with terrorists. Pumpkin fucker. Those be facts. Um, where's the library? Nope. <laughs> if you watch Deadpool 2, that's the exact quote. Um, it may not be verbatim, but he said something like that. I'm the devil doing a devil business. <laughs> no. Um, Dr. Grant is at a fancy party and he gets an urgent phone call is right in the middle of asking a hot chick out to a hockey game. Why does he carry around two tickets, two hockey tickets? I don't know. Maybe that's his move. Is that, would that work on you, Carl? Maybe. Okay. No. So you, you talk to a guy, things are going well, you know, like you, you're interested and he says, Hey, you like hockey? I have to have two tickets. Creepy. A lot of girls like hockey though. I don't care for sports in general. So the answer would probably be no for me, but. I guess if it was going well, I have been to a couple hockey games. I mean, if it's going well, like, <laughs> like she seemed to be into him. So but you like this, the dude. Do you have, like, season tickets? Do you always no. have tickets? <laughs> I think I think he probably has season tickets. Are you super into hockey? Because then we might be a no. <laughs> this may not work out. Buddy canceled on him. I think this is his move. He's got season tickets. So he keeps them to... So if he meets a girl he likes, he asks her to a hockey game. So then, even if it's a bad date, he gets to watch hockey. Also... It's, he's already got the season tickets, so he's, it's cheaper than going out to dinner. I feel like that's not a good first date. Just like I was like, hey, want to go to the movies? That's not a good first date. You're just in the room with the person. You're yes, but really... a hockey game, you can talk to each other while watching the game. And if you don't have anything, if it starts getting awkward and you have nothing to say, what do you do? You watch the hockey game. 
But it's not like a movie where you have to be quiet the whole time. Elaine seems to be putting a lot of thought into this dating I think the thing. best first dates are activities. That's what I was saying. Do things together. Right. You take her and you do something. Like what? Like um, your little uh, plant thing that Yeah, you that did. was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the hatchet range and you throw hatchets. Or you take a cooking class. Or you do something where you're both occupied... And you see whether you enjoy doing things. You can impress her with your skills. One time, this is a dumb story, but one time I was, I I worked at a uh, sub place and there was this creepy dude that worked Mm -hmm. there. And this girl started working there and she was kind of hot. All the guys were like, okay, this chick's hot. And the one, the creepy dude, it's a little weird. He was like, uh, hey, I'm going to go ask, I forget her name. Melanie. I'm going to go ask Melanie out. I was like, oh, you are? He's like, yeah. He's like, what do you think? Did you have the frosted tips at the time? That's why I want to place it. I may have. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, Even if he doesn't, picture him with the frosted yeah. tips. It's more fun. <laughs> it's fine. Whenever I picture Tony and he's not like he was, older, well he, well, he was like, uh, he was like, well, I don't know what to say. What should I say? I was like, I don't know, dude. I, I didn't know this guy. I was like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I want to I uh, take her somewhere. I was like, okay, well, just ask her if she wants to go where you want to take her. That might work. He goes, okay, cool. And then he goes and asks her, and she's like, What? No. And then he, he leaves because he's all upset. And then later she was working. I said, what did he say? She goes, I don't know, dude. He came up to me and he goes, hey, I'm going to go in the woods. You want to go exploring with me? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's not what you ask somebody to do that you don't know. He goes, I'm going to go to these I woods. Do you want to go exploring with me? Hiking at a state park? No. no. At night? No. You don't ask a girl on the first date to go anywhere isolated alone. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because the first thing they think is he's going to make a skin suit. Yeah. No, that's if he asks you to help him put a couch in a van. Mm. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Either way, something bad is going down. Yeah. Got a real good feeling something bad about to happen. I don't... You want to go in the woods with me at night? I would not want to go on a date to do an activity because I don't like to do activities. See, and that's a clue. <laughs> You're like, oh, she doesn't like to do activities. Yeah. But okay. you like that plant thing. That was a good time. That was your idea. <laughs> and my friend Becky from Jiu-Jitsu just went and did it. Um, I forgot to talk to her about that. Mm. And they went to the same place. And now, at some point, we're going to do, like, thrift store prom. And she's talking about going to do make terrariums as thrift store prom, what? which would be fun. Thrift store prom is where you go buy the most hideous dress you can find at the thrift store, and, and then, then you go out somewhere yeah. with a bunch of girls. No, I got that. Then you're going to go make a terrarium and a prom dress? Yeah, why not? Half the fun is showing up and everyone seeing your hideous dress. I mean, it's like the top thing Aaron and I do when we shop is try to find the ugliest shit. <laughs> Especially if you're at the thrift store. It's fun. All right, cool. Yeah. I can See date. if we can get the other one to try on the ugliest shit we can find. <laughs> Anyways. This is going to take forever. I don't know. It's not very long. Well, yes, this is it. a quite long movie, but it's a very slow movie. <laughs> this is more thriller than action movie. Let's be real. Yeah. And it's not even that thrilling. It's just slow. <laughs> it's a slow burn. So then, it's almost more of a drama. <laughs> I mean, they think it's a drama. Hassan tells all the passengers. We're back to the plane. Slow, I forgot to say. Hassan tells all the passengers to stay, in, to stay in their seats, and our flight attendant, Jean, grabs the passenger manifest and hides it because she doesn't want Hassan to see that there's an armed air marshal on the flight. And uh, then Hassan says, where's the passenger manifest? Bless you. And she lies and tells him she destroyed it, 
even though she didn't destroy it. She hid it in magazines. And he tells her that... That was brave, very that brave, but unnecessary. Necessary. Because I guess he already knows the people... Like, there's a senator on the flight, and he already knows about it, so I guess he doesn't care. That's, he who he also, that's yeah. what she's hiding, yeah. Yes. But at the same time, you then think that this passenger manifest is going to come back at some point, but it never fucking does. I thought yeah. it would when they were looking for a passenger. Or, like, maybe <laughs> she would pass the passenger manifest... To the yeah. commandos, so they would know there's an armed marshal. Yeah. It never comes back, though. It was a missed opportunity with that passenger manifest. Maybe in the director's cut. So Grant gets to the Pentagon, and so does Colonel Travis, and they kind of give each other side eye. And Grant is still in his tuxedo. <laughs> and but Armani doesn't make a blue tuxedo. And everybody's kind of giving him side eye because he's in a tuxedo. But it's not like they gave him time to change. No, he came straight from a formal event. He says, they told me it was come as you are. So then we get to the briefing. So they listen to the recording from the plane made by Hassan. And he wants Yaffa to be released and $50 million of gold bullion waiting for him when they land in D.C. And then they'll take the bull- he'll trade the bullion for half the passengers... Then they'll fly to a non-extradition country and release the rest of the passengers. This is their plane. I mean, they're obviously lying. Um, <laughs> How much in gold? 50, 50 million, million gold bullion. Jesus. That's, gonna be That's like dump trucks. <laughs> That's going to be fucking heavy. Yeah. That's as much uh, gold bullion as uh, Simon got in. Yeah. Nowadays, Dyer it wouldn't be so budget. bad because gold is a lot more expensive and mm-hmm. they use the smaller things. But back then, they used this fucking bricks. Bricks with the Balinese like, gold dancer? That's right. From Italian job. Mm-hmm. But they would have had to get all these bricks from the plane and be like, all right, we can't take off now. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you can't take off? I'll shoot you if you don't take off. It's like, all right, dude, will you just put a fucking a million pounds in the back? Yeah, I don't know. Well, but <laughs> I don't was... you understand how physics works, but this plane yeah. ain't going up. It doesn't matter because that's not his plane. This is a fake yeah, plane. Yeah. These are just stupid demands. I mean, he, he does seem to want Yafa released. Although there this, is some like, chatter. One billion dollars in pennies. Grant, Grant does... <laughs> Point out that like, holy shit, they there did are it. rumors that Hassan was the re- uh, actually had Yaffa kidnapped and then turned into the American government. That's why there's some kind of like it's possible that Hassan had Yaffa kidnapped and turned over to the American government just to give them an excuse a, to do this, just to stuff. or like as a blind for oh, the hijacking. Elaine's fixing plot holes. Again. I want twenty thousand dollars in Pokemon cards. Well, apparently well they Grant talk about it. Like one card Grant now. talks about Grant it talks in the briefing. But there's some chatter. There's rumors. People have theories. So there's the military chatter? discusses meeting the demands <laughs> and then attacking the plane once it lands in Dulles. And this is going to be their their plan. So they're going to meet the demands and then just attack the plane once it lands. And then Grant says, "I think that that's dumb. We should not only should we not." allow the plane to land but we can't even allow it in airspace because it could be a direct attack Hassan has orchestrated and he talks about how it's rumored that Hassan orchestrated Yaffa's capture and that he suspects that the DZ-5 is on the plane and he's like Seagal this whole time is just staring daggers into Russell and then but at the same time so then they discuss well if that's the case we just shoot them down. If we shoot them down, then we don't have any evidence. And then we just kill 400 and some passengers, civilians. And we, and then we're all done. The complete wipeout of this administration because they just killed a bunch of passengers. Although you would think they would that they could up. just be mechanical failure. Yeah. 
Oh, that's 100% what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just didn't find the black box. They would cover it up 100%. 100. 10,000%. 10, These are Democrats, I guarantee you. It, I mean, it depends on if that... I don't think that hijacking tape was leaked to the press. It was sent directly to the embassy. Unless that high, unless that tape got out to the press, they could easily cover this up. They don't ever really discuss that, though, because they're going to go with a far riskier plan. <laughs> so Colonel Travis, even though he uh, is very skeptical of Grant's intelligence, suggests a risky maneuver. Using this technology made by a Mr. Mr. Cahill... They could board the plane mid-flight. So Cahill has built this experimental stealth plane that links to other planes in mid-air, and then they can use this sleeve sleeve to board the plane. And they have had successful plight, um, successful plight flights, flights between military aircraft, but never a commercial plane, although they have done multiple simulations so they've had like three or four successful things and then a bunch of simulations so how hard can it be they discussed the merits of this and then the secnav or not secnav secretary of defense sorry i'm used to it always being the navy in the secnav the (laughs) secretary of defense yeah one step higher secdef defcon one not defcon one says that travis can have whatever he wants and he decides that he wants grant to be on the plane so that he can give them, in the moment, intelligence. Because nobody has seen Hassan, Hassan for 20 years. But Grant is sure that he'll recognize his voice anywhere and that he'll be... And Travis is like, well, you can give us on-the-spot analytics of the situation and help predict what he's going to do. He's the expert. He wants on-the-spot. On dude. And um, so they tell him, yep, you're going. Uh, Travis also uh, says, you're the guy who gave us that intelligence in Greece, right? And he's like, yes. And he's like, yeah, well, you were wrong. And he's like, hey, that shit was there. It just, you got there too late. Damn. He's like, my intelligence was right. You were late. You were late. So suck Which it. isn't necessarily Steven Seagal's fault. <laughs> so then Travis meets up with his team, Captain Lopez, Sergeant Cappy, Sergeant Louis Jung, and Sergeant Baker. There's also one other dude who they never who never makes it onto the private pile. Seven forty seven, because they say it's a six man team, and that's only five men. Private so pile didn't make it. All right, so Cahill, so they he meets up with his team and they're like, well, we didn't know what we were doing, so we brought everything. They pretty much have every weapon they got and all the equipment they could possibly have, and then Cahill says, this is too much stuff. We're never going to get this plane off the ground. you got to cut it down. So then they got to go through and figure out essentials of what they're going to need for this particular mission. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Evil. Particular mission. But they still don't know what exactly And they want $100 they billion. Dollars. No, $50 million gold bullion. Gold bullion. So then on the plane, Travis briefs the team on the plan. So they're going to link up with the civilian plane. They're going to extend the sleeve, and then um, they'll enter the plane, and Grant will stay on the stealth plane, linked up via comms, giving them on-the-spot intelligence. And then um, Hassan, then we go back to the plane. Hassan sends Gene for food and for his men, 
And she's like, what about the passengers? They're getting restless. And then he says that she can give them drinks and let them go to the bathroom. But their behavior is on her. If they fuck around, it's going to come back on her. It's her ass. And old Marla Maples over there is like, Jean, you need to treat you to stay in your seat. But she's like, no, I care about people. I'm in this. Jean, don't fuck around. I'm a flight attendant. I will attend <laughs> these people. She's like, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? This is someone who goes above and beyond for their job. Sometimes, I wouldn't have done that. Sometimes it's okay just to do the job you're paid to do. You don't need to go above and beyond. They're not going to fire you because you didn't ask the terrorists if you could serve them lunch. <laughs> then we're back on the, on the stealth plane. And Travis and Cahill are arguing about the attach and entry procedure. So Cahill is like, this is very complicated. I have to go up, make sure everything attaches, make sure that the pressure is equalized, or it could kill us all. And so like, Travis is like... And he's like, actually, I do need to come, and I need to be the first one up that sleeve. <laughs> and Travis is like, no, Baker needs to be the first one up the sleeve because that hatch is alarmed, and he's got to cancel that alarm as soon as we're through. So they discuss it back and forth, and he's like, just explain to Baker how you need to do it. And Cahill is like, this is very complicated. I can't just explain it to some commando. It's like what you do is you just you teach um, deep core drillers how to be astronauts, and everything's fine. <laughs> It'd probably be easier to teach... Deep core drillers got to be how to disable this plane alarm. Considering that the guy's an engineer and all you have to do is take a little plastic clip, put it over the thing. Yeah, he could have figured that out. I mean, he does disarm a bomb later with a straw. I mean, they act like only this one dude could disable this alarm. It's like, yeah, you see this plastic thing, you put it on there, and then he fucked it up. (laughs) But they decide that Cahill will go up first open the hatch, and then go through the hatch, and then Baker will come behind him, disarm the alarm. Then all the commandos will come through the hatch, and then Cahill will go back down, seal it properly, go back down to the stealth plane, and detach. And everybody lives happily ever after. They approach the craft, and Cahill begins the linking procedures. God, it feels like I'm right there. The sleeve is extended and attached. So far, success. Cahill equalizes the pressure for entry. You don't need to do the hand gestures. He goes up the sleeve. You don't need to do the hand gestures. <laughs> with Baker right up You don't need to do the hand gestures behind with the kick. <laughs> All right. Cahill enters the plan. St- sets off the hatch alarm. We flash to the cockpit, and we see a little light bulb going off. And the pilots exchange... They look at each other, and they're like, and they're hey, that's confused. weird. And they're like, hey... That means that there's a door open outside. And, and that's not possible. That's not good. So, and, yeah. and we're still alive. <laughs> so that can't be right. Cahill takes a, a little... puddle and it ain't raining. Cahill takes exactly as long as you think it would take Oliver Platt to climb up a ladder and get into this plane. <laughs> and then Baker turns the alarm off, the light goes off. No problem. So then they, the rest of the commandos come up but there's some turbulence. Now, is this turbulence just a coincidence or is this linked to the pi- to the fact that there's a stealth plane attached to this plane? It's not explained. But there is some disturbance and then Louie, BD Wong, is thrown around a bit and accidentally hits the tiny plastic clip that's disarmed this alarm and knocks it off. So what you tell me is they should have got some duct tape. Perhaps. So it goes off again. The, that way, if you hit it, it'll stay. The yeah, little light starts going off in the cockpit, and this time the terrorist that is guarding the pilots notices and is like. also a pilot. Yes, he's, he's like, also don't try any funny business. I know how to fly this plane. Well, he says that. But. 
Well, we I don't think know. he knows he how to. He clicked all the dials. Oh, did he? Yeah. No. <laughs> he knows how to fly. Maybe not this particular plane, but, but for what they're planning to do with it. I mean. But he then says, "What's that?" And they tell him that it's this hatch, but it can't possibly be open because if it was open, then we would be able to tell. We would know. Because we would be yeah. dead. That it's probably faulty electrical. <laughs> There'd be a big giant hole in the plane. And this is when they realize that the clip has come off. And, and, and Rat's um, like, I gotta find the clip. Yep. Instead of saying, everybody just get on the goddamn plane and we'll close the door. <laughs> and he finds the clip and he puts it back and the pilots are like, see, it's off again. And he's like, you should check this out. He's suspicious. As he should be. I mean, it is a weird thing, but also we would know. <laughs> I would believe a it's a sure. open on the plane. But there is. And you explain it with, if that door is open, we're dead. There like is the plane will have exploded. Massive. We have not exploded. The door is closed. There is now massive turbulence happening at the same time. And Cappy. Turbulence doesn't take planes down ever. That is a raptor. It takes planes down all the time. Cappy. Anybody? 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 <laughs> A-team, come on. So, I was at work the other day, and a girl did not had never heard of the A-team. I believe it. <laughs> was she really young? How old is she? She was like 20-something. Yeah, yeah of course. Why would she like, have heard of the A-team? I don't know how to process information. <laughs> oh, honey, you're 41 years old. So then me and someone else were talking about Mr. Teen, how cool he was. And he's like, hey, you know how he got those chains? Like, yeah, he stole them from people. It's like, no, he found them in a bar. No, he took them off people and he kicked them out. Either way. And then I was like, yeah, I used to have the Mr. T cereal. So Mr. T counted coop? What? (laughs) Counted coop. That's like when you killed somebody and took their scalp or sawed off an an ear. He stole chains? Yeah. Interesting. But we talked about the Mr. T cereal. Remember the Mr. T cereal? Mm -hmm. The little teas? Yeah, Mr. T show. The Mr. T cereal tasted a lot like Captain Crunch. I think it was Captain Crunch. And not and Captain Crunch without the Crunch Berries is just gross. <laughs> it's like fiberglass. I disagree. Cuts the roof of your mouth all I, apart. I disagree. But anyway, oh, yeah? should never heard of the fucking eighteen. Hey man. This is why Tony always had a an a limit to how young below him he could date. Because at some point you don't have any of the same references and you barely speak the same language. <laughs> <laughs> he end up with you. It's only nine years, and I'm an old soul. <laughs> but you don't understand any of his references. That's true, but I'm willing to learn. <laughs> I mean, those be the facts. Yeah, I remember seeing something one year that they brought out for high school teachers. They were like, hey, guys, just so you know, you know, these kids you're teaching were born when the Little Mermaid came out. You know, and it was just like this whole culture shock thing for teachers because basically if you're under... If you're under 25, you don't care about anything that happened before you were born. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and it's one of those things. Like, we, we know who, like, Humphrey Bogart is mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They, they don't care about anything that happened before them. And they were born with Internet yeah. their whole lives. Whereas so they, they would remember have easier, the first time. They would have easier access to it. Access we all had that internet. one friend that had the Internet. We remember yeah. dial-up. We oh, remember God. <laughs> because we couldn't filter out what media we were taking in. Whatever was on TV on Saturday, that's what you watched. Yeah, that's if true. it was reruns of fucking, you know... Fat Albert with rerun. Yeah. Or, you know... Hey, hey, hey. A-Team reruns or The Incredible Hulk or movies from the, from 1965. Yeah. That's what you that's watched. All you had. Yeah. 
Remember when Jaws Jaws came? And the radio, what was on it? That's what you listened to. (laughs) If you wanted to hear a song, you had to wait a while. (laughs) The first time Jaws when the first time Jaws came on television, it was seen on more than half of the televisions that existed in the United States. And because there was only three channels, and it came on, I said it was one of the highest ratings anything's ever gotten. But you didn't like. But it you was had, nothing else to watch. So. Yeah, you had seven channels, and yeah. you were the remote. Yeah. Yeah, I remember having the TV with the crank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember my mother calling me from another room to change the channel. <laughs> I watched so much Mash as a child. Oh yeah. Nobody. Everybody even... watched a lot of Mash, and I was like, God, I hate this show. Of our generation, however, people ten years younger than me, they do don't not even know what Mash is. Mash. Although. Um, <laughs> Weirdly, I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and and uh, what's her name? What a coincidence. <laughs> what's her name had a remote for the TV. Yeah. Yeah, the big old honking thing. No, they had those. Did that it? wasn't battery powered. Those were actual, it was like metal and it would, it was friction would send a signal and it would change the channel. You can either change the channel or turn it on. Really? That was it. But, let's, but if metal started hitting somewhere else, it would like turn the TV on or just change the channel. When I was little, the first ones we had, they had a cord. Yeah. <laughs> so you ever have a, anybody, like an older person, call a remote a clicker? Yeah. That's why. Because when you hit those buttons, it would click. Oh. And it didn't go yeah. all the way down until it clicked. Everybody yeah. called it the clicker. That's why, because mm-hmm. these are remotes. Thanks for I that. that. I didn't know that that's I why. I never but... had that style of remote. <laughs> but, well, let's like, think about it. If you had that remote today, it would work. Mm. Let's think about it though. Let it's it's the mid seventies to like the late eighties. And the guy on the ranch. And mm-hmm. the difference between the TV with the remote and the TV without the remote was probably like four or five hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Same movie. Did you notice there was the TV on top of the TV? Yeah, we had that. Oh my god, that yeah. was such a that thing. was a thing. Everybody <laughs> had the, the new TV on top Remember, of the broken TV. Even cleaning houses. The, all the older people's homes that had the giant wooden TV yep. with, with their, their flat with their screen flat on screen top. On top. Yep. <laughs> it was just their credenza. <laughs> yep. Tony's Nana, when we moved into that house and after she passed away, we ended up getting rid of a TV that had like a record player. Yeah. That was a it was piece a, it was of a TV record eight track player. You should have kept that. I know. We should have. Yeah. You should have kept that. You probably threw it away. That's yeah. probably like five. Even if you took the TV out and put like bookshelves in there, that eight track record player just, deal that would have been awesome it's not in good shape <laughs> they put it outside and somebody came and took it all apart anyway so. someone walked up and was like holy shit yeah. they, they took like, all the metal out of it that's yeah. all they really did really they scrapped it yeah oh if that thing worked that was worth money yeah. I was thinking about grumpy old men where um, Aunt Margaret has the, the TV oh, the the TV yes <laughs> that was my that was my trade I was a TV repairman when they actually repaired things instead of just upsold you on the new thing I always feel bad about the cobbler you know the guy fixed shoes why? Because he doesn't have a job anymore. There's still plenty of people that pay people to fix their shoes. Huh? Yeah, especially if you have expensive you have, like, shoes. Louboutins. <laughs> if you have really comfortable shoes, like you could get your Ferragamos resold every oh, couple years. Yeah. And they're already fit into your feet. That would be great. If you have expensive Actually, I had a pair shoes, of shoes, the soles fell off, and I was so sad because they're in perfect condition otherwise. But in the front, it just started flopping. Tony was like, "We can just get those fixed." There's still people that do that locally. There used to be one at the mall, but the oh, mall isn't open. There's not a mall. There place. isn't a mall. <laughs> That's because nobody goes to the mall. Yeah. Um, Except Robin Sparkles. But I've had shoes repaired at the Except mall. Except Robin Sparkles. Massive she to turbulence. To the Today. Massive turbulence. Cappy falls down the sleeve and breaks his back because half of only half his body falls down the sleeve. Grant sees him dangling and the sleeve gets compromised. 
Okay. And I was so, like, what happened to him? <laughs> like he snapped in half. <laughs> and That's he's what happened. Unconscious. Yeah, because he hit his head on the side of the metal. <laughs> and then Grant sees him, so he goes up the sleeve to help. So he helps get Cappy out. And at some point he has to climb out of the sleeve to help lift Cappy, which makes no sense at all. And then Travis yeah, he could help from in the sleeve, but he didn't. And then Travis is in the sleeve. And um, the hatch starts to go. And Cahill's like, you got to close the hatch. You got to close the hatch or we're all going to die. And um, Grant makes eyes with Travis and says, Colonel, we're, we're not, not going to make, make it. it. He says, you and are. He says, you are. He closes <laughs> the hatch like the guy in the mag. So, nice. And then he goes, flying. <laughs> so, what's funny, in the movie, like the original script, mm-hmm. his head was supposed to explode. Mm-hmm. But Steven Seagal didn't think that was a cool way for him to die. So they CGI'd him flying out the back of the plane. <laughs> that was much cooler for Steven Seagal. He also wanted to be the hero for his fans. So they made it so he that. saved them. He's always them. been the hero in every movie. Mm-hmm. And, and so is Kurt Russell almost. You don't actually see him die. You see him fly away. So in some version in Executive Decision 2, he lived. Uh, Kurt Russell was not the hero in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's true. I he mean, was an evil megalomaniac. Megalomaniac planet. That's perspective. Um, but he wasn't exactly a megalomaniac because he actually was a god. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay. I think I megalomania means that you think you're bigger than you are, you know. But he's a but fucking he was god. the little G. Right, but he wasn't g. the god. He, he was a big G. Yeah. He wasn't the, the god. And he may have. <laughs> He was a god. He wasn't the god. Well, that's the one above all. Did you um, quote Montel Jordan? Yes. <laughs> that high five was not crisp. Well, uh, so then DC going. is told that and they... I can't, as far as I can go, I'm holding the dog. So, you mean petting the dog? Well, I'm holding him close. My fat so is snoring right behind me. Yeah, he is. My, he's gone from attacking the animals. You know, kill the so stuffed animals takes it out of you. himself out, kill the stuffed animals. Which he usually does that when we're not home. Focus. Because he knows we get mad when he does it. Because those are Chael's babies. So Boss is not supposed to eat the babies. But he was so proud of himself. Alright, so anyways. <laughs> DC is told by the radar plane that is following them that they've lost contact with the entry team. Alpha team. And that... Stealth plane is no more. Like and the, the stealth pilot plane ejected. Yeah. Anybody who was on board is dead except that pilot, because they were not wearing yeah, parachutes no. and shit. They just... You think you would be, but and they, I guess, they're over the ocean, so I don't really know. You're what not going to do wear... anyway. I don't, <laughs> I don't care if you're wearing a. <laughs> the whole thing, if you fall from really high. Uh, spaces in land and water. Yeah, you're fucking dead. That's like hitting concrete. I thought the pilot ejected and had a parachute. The pilot, the pilot ejected, did. so he See, may survive. Well, the pilot has an ejector that has a parachute in the seat. But mm-hmm. perhaps, it, it, but anybody But there were a couple other people on, board, on the plane that's they dead. They were not wearing parachutes. No. And honestly, I don't know what happens to a pilot if you eject with your parachute chair and you land in the middle of the ocean. I don't well, know. <laughs> it's a controlled landing and yeah. your chair doubles sense. as a flotation device. And it has a and sensor and it the, puts the little liquid out. They'll find you. And it has GPS on the chair. But the problem is is, is he he has a pressurized stuff so he'll be okay but everyone else you, yeah, you just can't breathe. Yeah, had anything. So you're just going to suffocate before you die. But that plane just fell No, apart. I don't think it suffocated at all. That looked like it exploded. <laughs> the, well, sh- the 
Stealth plane, yeah. Oh, well, I know Steve Seagal went out the back, so you'd think he would. Yeah, he probably suffocated because he got thrown out and didn't hit. Well, it depends on I guess how so high now they he's, are. So now he's falling, like, man, it's a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> he belly flopped to death. He's like, well, if I fall just right and I throw a front kick, I should be all right. No, he just holds this. his arms out like point break and he <laughs> slows it, and then the other pilot catches him. I learned this when I was in Japan. They made me the grandmaster. <laughs> Is that a Steven Seagal impression? A little bit, yeah. I'm working on it. I don't oh, think it, I don't, I don't. It's a new one. He's still working on it. I don't think Steven Seagal's that gravelly. That sounds more like the guy from He is that. now. You ever see well, him talk I mean, now? he's old. Everything's, everything's real gravelly. And he talks about these okay. grand things like, back in 85, I went to this karate tournament. And <laughs> I won the Kumite? Yeah, we've heard a rant no, like and, that and, before. And he's like, and he wouldn't let me compete because I would beat everybody easily. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that. That's why they don't let that's me compete in tournaments. Well, they don't recently, want people to win tournaments. I went like, to what? <laughs> recently, I went to West Virginia, and I was on. They have the the resort where we were has a floating like water park thing, mm-hmm. and everything's inflatable. And jumping in the water from like thirty five feet up on an inflatable that hurt. <laughs> I do it from three hundred thousand. Ooh, all these guys would fall, you know, they'd fall off the balcony into the pool, and I'm like, no, 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 no. When you fall from that high into a pool of water, the last thing that goes to your mind is your ass. Meanwhile, remind me to show you the video of my niece doing a flip off of one. It's hilarious. (laughs) So, the terrorist tells the pilot that he has to go check out this light. The pilot goes to check the equipment in the avionics room, which is located through a hole in the floor in first class. And the breach team is down in the avionics room. They're trying to help Cappy. And they need, he's got a, some, Baker can tell that one of his vertebrae is ruptured and says they have to immobilize him. So I guess this guy is their medic. This dude's never walking again. We already know I know know how to fix it. You hang Um, him. And, and then you punch, punch him. Yeah. You punch him so, in the back and how you stay there till your yeah. legs work. So then the, the hatch opens. The hatch opens and they look at each other and they do that very comical hide. So then they all hide, but not very well because there's not very many places to hide I mean, in the avion. It's a small room. Yeah. And the pilot comes down and he immediately spots the breach team. Like and then Rat pulls the patch off his American flag and is like... No, he pulls the patch off. Covers it. He covers up an American flag. He yes. opens it so you can see that he's an American yes. soldier. And the guy's like, oh. And he's like, shh. And then he, <laughs> and then he turns and sees somebody else and they're pointing a gun at him too. Like, and go then, ahead, fucker. Yes. So, he, so he sees Grant and he sees Rat and he sees... Um, he's like, what are you looking at, you little ginger fucker? And Grant gives him That's a long circuit and hands it to him and is like, you know... Gives him gestures up. So then the pilot goes up and tells the terrorist it's just a blown, blown circuit. Um, it happens all the time. I don't. It probably happened with the overload during yeah, the turbulence. This is fine. It doesn't mean anything. This is the, the but, least but of the like, problems you, you could have on check. the plane. <laughs> Hassan, Hassan, ever suspicious, looks down the hole, but he can only see part of the room, and it's just the breach team is just out of view. So he's like, all right, then. So he's like, you should go down there and check it out yourself, Hassan. So then they close the hatch. This movie could have been much shorter if he said that. <laughs> this and movie should have been more much shorter. Yeah. Then the breach team, Rat tells but Baker, Clay. our radio men slash um, medic, to radio the Pentagon. But the radio is destroyed. So they take 
stock of what equipment they have, and it's very little. It's not. It's barely what they like. Not even a smidgen of what they brought with them. No, no duct tape. Most of it and did then, not make it out of the stealth. They had four yep. clips to cover the little sensor, but they only brought one. <laughs> but now it's too heavy. But Cahill says that the Pentagon is going to shoot them down, and Grant says, "No, they'll wait." He's like, look, we got three hours. They're going to wait till the last second before they shoot us down. Yeah. Well, Grant tells the breach team that this was the only plan for... Well, because, like, the breach team's like, no, they're going to have another plan. And Grant's like, no, this was their plan. So they are going to shoot us down. But they're going to wait until the last possible second. So we have... They had a plan. Attack. (laughs) So they have three hours and 50 minutes. Cahill panics. And he's like, we are just going to go tear the terrorists. We're here. It'll be fine. (laughs) We They'll can just, negotiate with them. Everything will work we'll out. Tell them like, that, we'll tell yeah. them that the Pentagon knows about their plan, and we'll get them to divert somewhere else. And they like, he tries to go for the hatch, and they have to tackle him. And then Grant calms him down. I'm surprised they didn't fucking kill him. Because in, in this kind of situation, killing him would be authorized. Like, why'd you kill Cahill? It's oh, he like, was going to go alert the, t- the they terrorists. They can't kill Cahill yes, because it would be loud. It's like they in have that suppressors. Movie. The movie that Tony or they, did. Or they just fucking... With, with Tom man. Cruise. Where he has Seven to kill that... I mean, he does hold the knife to his neck. Because yeah. the dude in the they basement just, is like, I'm just going to kill the aliens. And he's water like, you are or not, not water going world. to war endanger my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> it's War of the Worlds. I'm going to kill you. War of the Worlds. <laughs> See? We Authorized. Already, we lost the plane, man. We make it disappear. So then they calm down Cahill, and then Rat and Grant have an intense... Did you kill Cahill? Yeah, he had to go. Yeah. He was making bad decisions. They might need him later, so they calm him down. Rat and Grant then have an intense discussion about what they can do and how they're going to do it. So their first, their uh, object number one is find the bomb, and object number two is find Hassan. And figure out how many terrorists there are. Yeah. Which one of them is Hassan, and how many are we dealing with? So Louie, beating Wong, goes to search for the bomb through baggage He's got a little and then sensor. the rest of the team is going to search for Hassan by planting cameras and microphones. Because Grant says, well, I will know him when I see him, but I can't describe him to you guys because nobody's seen him in a long time. But if I hear his voice, I'll know who he is. He saw like a college ID or something picture of him 20 years ago. Then they go yes. around drilling holes. And I'm thinking somebody is going to see or hear that. But they don't. <laughs> <laughs> But they drill holes, and they put up cameras, and they put up listening devices, and... They have they, stealth drills that they have. Really? Yeah. Noiseless it's drill. It's technical, but... Drill through the ceiling of yeah. the room you're in? <laughs> or through the floor? Actually, I would say they do have very quiet drills, because it's the same drills that SWAT teams use, because this is a technology used by a lot of different places to put in secret spy cameras. Um, Grant's listening to the terrorists speak and taking notes... As Rat and Baker tell him where people are located, but none of them sound like Hassan. So Rat says, this isn't working. You got to come up here so that you can look for yourself. Um, so he climbs up. So they're using the elevator shaft. There's, this is uh, the baggage claim is below, which is also where the lower galley is, where they store like things like all the food service for the passengers. So there's an elevator. They use the elevator shaft to climb above the passenger cabins. So Grant climbs up this elevator shaft, and now they're above the passenger cabin, and Rat, he has him put on Cappy's vest, and then he has him hooked to this line so that he can repel across the cabin, because if he touches the ceiling, he'll fall right through. He takes his shoes. He takes his shoes because he's wearing dress shoes. (laughs) And he says, 
Hope the smell doesn't give us away. That line was ad-libbed, and it started a fight between him and Kurt Russell. Really? Because yep. Kurt Russell does not appreciate ad-libbing. <laughs> Kurt Russell's a... It's not oh, a it's not fucker. like you said something bad about me. It's a... No, he does not like ad-libbing, and he really had a problem with John Leguizamo's ad-libbing on the set. a lot of ad-libbing. Mm-hmm. But Leguizamo's... He's a comedic actor. A lot, a lot of, of times. actors do a lot of ad libbing. Yeah. I guess Kurt Russell Kurt is. Kurt Russell is apparently. Not doing movies with them. <laughs> um, Kurt Russell is apparently by the script. He's like, hey, did Walt Disney say your name before you died? Before he died? No, he said mine. So fuck off. <laughs> Have you been acting since you were five? All right. So then. I, I can see why he's a very by the script actor because when he was five, they didn't let him ad lib. No. You know, if I ever direct a movie, I'm gonna hire Kurt Russell. Like, all right, now give me some ad libbing. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Give me a little ad You're not going to get it. I think he retired. By the time you get to a point in your Hollywood career where you can direct a movie, Kurt Russell will probably be dead. dead. Damn. But I believe he retired. <laughs> well, everybody's retiring now. So. Didn't he say that Santa Claus movie, the Christmas Chronicles, is going to be the last role? Yeah. Well, he's been acting since he's five. He deserves a retirement. I mean, at some point, they all should just retire. I'm appreciating Yeah, who is it that, that was stopping. telling me? They just really liked it. Actors now are going, oh, I made my money. Cameron Diaz stopped. I don't need Jim Carrey stopped. They're like, I've got enough money. Yeah, but Jim Carrey stopped, like, none of his movies have really been good for years. Right. But it's just like, look, man, how he much also money is do you need? pursuing yeah. a political agenda, which is very intriguing. Well, he's, um, he's a nutball. He's, he's bad shit crazy. No one takes him seriously because he's Jim Carrey. He's never going to be a politician. I, no, not a political career, a political agenda. Like, he speaks yeah. out against a bunch of stuff, and he's not quite, he's not totally crazy. Uh, he is totally crazy. He's got some problemos. I, uh, I remember the whole thing where his girlfriend killed herself because, well, I don't want to speak. <laughs> you know what? Hmm? I don't think we can ever definitively say why someone killed themselves no. because they're dead. Well, I think she left them. Usually they leave a note and they tell you why they did it. Yeah. People but, kill themselves, they usually leave a note. Yeah. Tell you exactly why they did it. So you know they want to be an why. inconvenience. <laughs> no, some people uh, go like, you know, they go. No, no. they want to be an inconvenience. That is the only reason, that is what happens when someone kills themselves. They think everything's going to be better if they just weren't here, but then they've just become a giant inconvenience and pain in the butt. So don't kill yourself because you make everything 100% worse when you're dead. Makes nothing better. Psychiatrists are listening to the podcast right now going, shut the fuck up! <laughs> and if you do have suicidal thoughts, call the suicide hotline. Oh, there you go. What's the number? I don't know, but they have a new it change, te- though. They have a new I text thing. You can text something, something, something. And it's like three digits. It's not like, it's like 911. You can text something, something, something. It was yeah, not 666. I, That'd I saw be weird. a thing where they changed it. I shared it on my Facebook a while ago. I don't remember what it is, though, because I don't have suicidal tendencies, so I don't keep that in my back pocket. Ooh, suicidal tendencies. Well, that was an yeah, Iron Man 1. You never know when they're going to pop up. That was Lots of people think they're never, it's never going to happen to them. And then the name of the song was institutionalized. <laughs> yeah. Right. Great, I think it's my favorite. Nine eight eight. Because Iron Man, though. You can call or text nine eight eight. I'm not sure it was before that, but it is now. Nine eight eight. This quick Google. He does. Nine eight eight. Nine And there's that line. All I wanted was a Pepsi. Just one Pepsi, and he wouldn't give it to me. Just one Pepsi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Institutionalized by two South Tennessee's. So then, anybody? Anybody? So Grant does Bueller? not see or hear Hassan and says he must be in the cockpit. And he goes down the elevator. But while he's going down in the elevator, Rat puts his shoes back on. And then he fucking slips. And you want to know why? Because he's wearing dress shoes. Because he's wearing dress shoes. 
and a tuxedo on this mission because they gave him at no point any time to change clothes. I love the vernacular. You think like they would have just changed him a into a random uniform? <laughs> that tuxedo that is in honor of D.B. Wong. Yeah, they were sitting around planning this mission for like an hour. You, you could have changed into some jeans and some. They could have given. I'm sure his... they had some fatigue somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, think they were You know. Yeah. He's the same size or close enough to at least one of these yeah. commandos. <laughs> like, hey man, we driving by Walmart. <laughs> Especially when they had to pare down their equipment to get on the plane, he had enough time to change. Yeah. Easy. Um, so he slips and falls in the elevator. And then Gene, our flight attendant, spots him. They make eye contact. And they have what's like, called a shared and he's like moment. shit. He's like, shh. He actually says shit. And then. And now he knows he's got to cover his ass. Hassan walks over and has a conversation. Literally, he actually does have to cover With Jean. And she hides. Grant. Hassan. She stands in front of the little elevator window. So to hide him from Hassan so he can't see him. From the jihad. And then. When. And then Grant sees and hears him. And now he knows what. He recognizes the voice. And now he knows what Hassan looks like. And then he climbs back down while Jean and Hassan are having their talk. And then when she looks later, there's nobody there. Because Hassan also looks because he's suspicious because she's standing in front of the elevator. And um, He's not a very good looker, by the way. He's he suspicious looked, of everything. Know. And also, close the fucking top. Close that top, man. They keep leaving it open and driving me crazy. Boy, his glasses fell down. Tony's like, oh. I'm just like, dude, close it. But then we go back to B.D. Wong who finds the bomb in the forward baggage compartment. Then we flash to the senator, whose aide thinks that this is a great opportunity for his presidential campaign to help negotiate this hostage situation. Well, I don't know if he said it first, but he's famous for saying it. Barack Obama said, never let a good tragedy go to waste. Okay. (laughs) Seems like probably the same thing old fuck up said. No, he wasn't that bright. <laughs> Lot. So by Franklin Pierce. Yeah, I'm. There's been many an American president who put a tragedy to their advantage. Most of them do. That's why I said Barack Obama's famous for it, but I don't think he originated it. I'm sure he did. No. It's probably on. A, Presidents have been taking advantage of tragedies for way before. That. It's probably inscribed on a plaque somewhere in the Oval Office. You know that book that no one else is allowed to see, but the president. That's the first page. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so the senator. Page two's aliens. Yeah. Goes to talk to Hassan. He says he's gonna wants to negotiate really on his behalf to help the hostages. National treasure about that book. They're doing a TV show. Apparently, yeah, but I, I know, but it's not going to be about age forty-seven. Hmm? Churchill's credited was saying it. Mm. Yeah. He seems like the he's kind of guy kind of a douchebag who <laughs> he helped his people through something fairly tragic. I'm sure leaders have been saying but that he shit was since. Com- you know, the guy at Pompeii was like, "We should probably not let this tragedy go to waste." <laughs> and then he was covered in. Everybody Lava. Make, make That's he, he's the guy like this, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that hot in here or is this me? So did what else they had in Pompeii? Pizza. Mm-hmm. Or flatbread with stuff on it. Okay. So pancakes. Well, pan- yeah, could be. I watched a history um, pizza today. So Hassan says never fear Senator. It's hard to narrow down when pizza started because there's been people, people when the oper- on top of bread forever. Yes. <laughs> When the opportunity comes, I'll definitely use it. But pizza as you know it, that's from Italy. So we look at the bomb, and we realize that we have... No, shut up. All of... (laughs) Leave the Christmas presents down. Get out. Christmas presents? Birthday. Either one. 
all of the DZ-5 is on this plane, and it's oh. enough to wipe out the whole eastern seaboard. It always is. <laughs> Why do they make this stuff? <laughs> like, hey, this could wipe out the entire side so like of a spoonful of a country. Wipe out half of Earth. Well, then why is there 12,000 gallons of it? How much do we need? Just like, in we case. We probably get rid of this shit. Yeah. So we're back to D.C. This is the kind of stuff that you wish you could uninvent. Back at the Pentagon, we're running out of options. There's still time to hear from Alpha Crew. If only they had some unobtainable. But they're going to they're going to release Yaffa. So they issue a pre- press release that they release Yaffa, and promise, and then they tell Yaffa that they'll promise him his freedom if he helps divert Hassan, because they're not going to let him land. So Yaffa needs to help them divert Hassan to another airport, and then they ready the F-14s. They don't send them out yet, but they're ready them. So. We're back at the bomb. We're checking out the bomb, and Cappy needs help disarming the bomb because he can't move. Facts. And uh, Grant suggests Cahill because he's a engineer. An engineer. He created this stealth plane with this very cool sleeve. Like, I mean, it's like what? What is his job? I mean, he's Tony Stark. Yeah. Just not as cool. Yeah. I mean, he seems like, I mean, and he's also he not made an needed. Iron Man suit. Ish. <laughs> He's not needed to breach the cabin. So they're gonna so what's gonna happen is Cahill's gonna help Cappy disarm the bomb and then they're gonna breach. But they don't have enough guys to cover all of the terrorists. So Grant is gonna need to help the breach team BD, and get I can a take three of them, but any more than that. <laughs> really pushing it. <laughs> so Cahill and Cappy start on the bomb and the team gets in position to breach. When Cappy says go. Rat's going to blow the lights, and then they're going to breach and kill all the terrorists. They have infrared goggles and stuff so that they can so see. So they're all ready to go, and then all of a sudden, Cappy's like, abort, 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 and they abort. What's going on? Someone just ran an override on the bot. So someone just ran like a test. System check. And they thought they were disarming things, but this check ran, and then there's like... What this means is that there's a trigger man on the plane. So somebody has an electronic way to dis- to set off the bomb. Yeah. And then Cappy passes out and Cahill thinks he's died. It's a lot I mean, of tension. But there's not a lot. <laughs> he's an engineer, not a doctor. This sounds like it's getting very tense, but it's actually not tense at all because this movie's slow, moving so slow. <laughs> so then we go. She picked this? She did. Because yes. she's talking a lot of shit about it. Well. <laughs> I can say facts while enjoying a movie. Mm-hmm. I almost watched this again. Wow. <laughs> Yesterday, I thought about watching it again because I, when we watched it, so I could do my notes, I had to keep pausing it. And I was like, man, I really just want to watch this again just to I watch mean, it. I usually Sometimes watch them tough. twice through. Yeah. Once just with no stopping Kinda and once to all take in. notes. Yeah. It sucks pausing it and pausing it and pausing it and pausing it. It I breaks the flow that. of the movie. Let it go. If I miss something, fuck it. Like my next movie is a long one, so there's shit that I'm gonna miss. So and I then, don't need you to tell me about it because it's a long movie. <laughs> we see Yaffa on a plane, and he calls the plane where Hassan is to talk to Hassan. He tells Hassan, "I'm free. They've let me go. I'm going." Blah blah blah. And you need to you you've accomplished your mission. Turn around, you land the plane, and blah blah blah. And we'll good to go. And that's it. We're good. We're good. And he's like, nah. And I'm Hassan free, says, "But I have a higher mission." He says, "I'm glad." He's like, "Thank God you're free," but this is—I'm going to strike a blow 
He's going to strike a blow for God. Who's he blowing? Infidels. He's striking a blow. So they changed the word infidels after 9-11 to enemies. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. They still call, but some edits still have infidels, and I feel like... The they one we watched had infidels. Had the infidels, yeah. Too. But, well, I mean, it's been long enough after 9-11 then. Maybe they're like, fuck it. But the we're at the Pentagon, and Hassan says... I'm not listening, and and Yaffa's like, they know. They'll never let you land. They'll blow you out of the sky. And Hassan's like, whatever, and hangs up. These bitches. And then the Pentagon officials are like, well, it's time to release the F-14s. And the one guy says, call the president. It's an executive decision. That's the name of the movie. Yes. At this point, it's not up to us anymore. Yep, it's up to the president. Because up until now, there was no reason to call it that. <laughs> so the terrorists asked Hassan, uh, the terrorists come up to Hassan and they're like, Yaffa is free, let's go to Algeria. Yeah, we're done. We're cool. And yep. That's what we wanted. And Hassan says that they are true soldiers of Allah. Allah. And whatever. And that they have a greater purpose and they're not turning around. And they're like, but why? Yaffa is free, and we can go and you and know. One specific dude is like, no, yeah, you are doing something that we did not sign up for here, dude, because you are being ruled by your hatred, not by what our goals were. What and kind he's of like, terrorist are you? you? And he kills him. <laughs> yep, Hassan kills him. So Grant is listening and tells the team, the and he says that the others have no idea about the bomb. So the green door. there's got to be a sleeper. So when they drove up and the one had a giant suitcase with parts on it, they didn't ask. Questions. Well, here's the thing: the terrorists weren't in, didn't know that there was a bomb. So it has to be a sleeper that's not known to the rest of the terrorists. So they still have an hour and a half, and Cahill needs to get back to work on the bomb because they still have time. They're not going to be blown out of the sky yet. Grant has a plan. He's going to check the cabin for the sleeper, but he needs help. From the flight attendant, Gene. Now, this is where you would think that maybe the passenger manifest would yes. come into play because then they can look and they could rule out everybody named Bill, and <laughs> Karen, and Samantha, and Jennifer. Wow, that's racist. Well, they said it's going to be a Middle older man. Middle Eastern man, so they could. It would give them some idea of where they need to look. Judy, Christina. Mm. So then... You say my wife's name correct. Grant calls Jean on the flight attendant phone. And she sees the light go off on the phone. And Marla Maples is like, don't do it. And she's like, I've got to answer it. (laughs) Even though she has no idea who would be calling her. So she gets up and she answers the phone. Hello? And he tells her, hey, it's the guy from the elevator. And we're American commandos. We're going to take over the plane, but we need your help finding one of these passengers. Describes a passenger to her. And um, while he's on the phone with her, um, Hassan comes up and beats the bejesus out of her. Well, not the bejesus. Backhands her. Knocks her around. Gives it knocks her around. Discipline side. Not, no, not. A, little, a little discipline. A little discipline. And she side. says, I'm sorry, I thought the phone rang. And he's like, you bring an uppity. And, um, but then 
after Hassan leaves, he does the phone thing again. And he's and they're like, she's not going to help. Rat's like, she's done. She's not going to help. She's too scared. But she's going to do it. So she goes and she walks around. She sees the air marshal. She warns him that there's military on the plane. Like, they're here. He's like, who? He hands her a newspaper with the, it says the Marines or something. And he says, they're here. And she's like, okay. And then if I'm the air marshal, I'd be like, well, that's very cryptic. And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a movie. But it's a movie. So yeah. he instantly understands. But be prepared for an opening. It's going to come. Yep. <laughs> so then we flash to DC. We got 15 minutes till the F-14s intercept the plane. And then Gene Fingers, passenger in 21K. <laughs> Oh, so she, she sees an older Middle Eastern Actually, it's, man it's hand, so the whole fist, with what looks to be a high-tech so electronic. Oh, but hand inside. <laughs> so she writes the number on and she flashes it to the camera because they told her where the camera is because they could see her. And uh, Rat goes to check it out. Nobody can get a clear shot, shot. of this guy. Yeah, their cameras are in specific spots and they can't see everything. But then we flash to Kate... So Cappy tells them that he that him and Cahill just about have this disarmed. So they start to get into position because they think they know where the sleeper is. Yada yada yada. Get to yada. him and shoot him before he does. But then it turns out that this was just a fucking decoy, and this isn't the bomb at, disarming the bomb at all at all, and they start all over from scratch. And then Cappy's mad. He screwed up. Yep. Perhaps and then if he were sitting and looking at it, he would have figured it out. But he's not. He's yep. looking through a little mirror. <laughs> the F-14s arrive. Me and Carla kept joking how it's as, how it's as annoying as playing that bomb game. <laughs> like, yeah. Is it a blue wire with a white stripe? <laughs> or is it a white wire with a blue stripe? I love the bomb game. Does, does your serial number have a four in it? <laughs> how many batteries? What is the serial number? <laughs> how many batteries are on it? We should have played that game to get in the mood for this episode. <laughs> you want to play the game? I just want to play the bottom. Okay, it's um, too late now. We should have done it before yeah. we recorded. We could pause it. <laughs> so then the F-14s arrive, and Grant says, and then they kind of freak out because they're going to get blown out of the yeah. air. And Grant's like, they need to signal the jets mm. somehow. So then they start, and Do then. They, all of the jets are just Benny? And Cahill and Cappy. Benny and the jets? Benny. Look, and Benny. They, they get to the disarming mechanism, but it's too easy. And then they yeah, realize the that the disarming mechanism is surrounded by lasers. <laughs> and that Cahill has to take this straw that he's been chewing on the whole time, coffee stir, and slip it in between these lasers without you hitting see, any of them. You didn't mention it, but earlier, he was like, how am I supposed to do that? He says, use your magic wand and pulls his straw. I, I don't always talk about all the foreshadowing. Well, you should because it was kind of major a plot point. Well, I can't talk about everything. Then we'll be here for four hours. So the plane is ordered by the F-14s to divert. And Hassan talks to the Secretary of Defense. And he says to the Senator, it's your time now. <laughs> Hassan talks to the Secretary of Defense, and then he tells, well, brings the Senator up. This was very... And the Senator starts to negotiate, but then Hassan like pulls out a gun. And and this, hey, man, this is, this ain't TV. And this the Senator is like, he's going to shoot me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he kills him. Bam. And then John, he's gonna kill him. Hassan says, "This is how serious I am. We're not diverting Ellis, anywhere." Tell us, and then hangs up. Me. They only have twenty. I feel like we should watch Die Hard. Better movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
You only have 25 miles to the failsafe, so they only have a few minutes. And I think we'd all agree Die Hard is a better movie than that. So the F-14s reposition, and they get orders to destroy the target. This whole time, Grant and Baker have been working really hard on how to signal these planes. And they have figured out how to tap into the plane's rear lights. And then has, <clears throat> um, and then via Morse code. Morse. Which Baker... She no, can Morris, barely remembers. Barely like remembers, Morris? but he remembers enough <laughs> that, that he's able to use Morse code. Morse code. Not Zach Morris. Morris code. <laughs> Not Morse day Zach time. Zach Morris code. It's because it was invented by any... Morris day in the motherfucking time. So oh, it's Morris shit. code. My jungle love. O e o e o. That's how Morse code works. It's O's and E's. O e o e o. Wow. Oh. We've That's never, we've never passed the Morse code section on the bomb game. <laughs> it's because it's impossible. <laughs> because nobody knows anything about Morse code, even Navy pilots in the nineties. When I was in but the Navy, they, use they talked about how we had a little Morse code. They're like, "Oh yeah, you'll learn it. Don't worry about it." Oh yeah, you'll and learn the message it. they pass—it's like the metric system. The message they pass to the Navy pilots is "Hail Mary, Alpha One, ten minutes on repeat." So the pilots say this to DC: "We're getting some kind of Morse code message." Morse. <laughs> <laughs> getting Slater code. It do be facts. <laughs> some Slater. We're getting Slater some code. Mr. Belding code, and it seems to say. And the Pentagon is like, that's the breach team. We're going to give them the 10 minutes. So then. Time out. No. So then the F-14. He's like, we got to beat Valley. Tell the pilots. <laughs> Alpha the beat, one. Beat, beat, beat. You have 10 minutes. Good luck. We're continue your path to Dulles. So they had a message within a message. And no one is suspicious about this message. If nope. I was Hassan, I'd be super suspicious. He's suspicious about everything else. <laughs> Grant, then, he needs to take out the sleeper. So he goes a little rogue here and asks Jean's, Jean for her help. So she gets, he calls her and asks her to get in the elevator. She's like, so then, fuck it. Sure. <laughs> we're going to get some flashes between Cahill and Cappy trying to disarm the bomb and our breach team. We see Gene and Grant go into the main cabin. Grant has put a hooded a hoodie over his tuxedo, which you'd think he would have gone through the passenger's baggage at this point to find some pants. <laughs> I don't know. Tuxedo pants are pretty comfortable. That's definitely not his hoodie. Where'd he get that hoodie? He stole it. Yeah. But Commandeer. Grant is going after Far. the sleeper. I'm sure the guy who owns and the hoodie is not going to be like, hey, man, take my shit off. <laughs> Rat and the rest of them are in position, and they're like, Grant, Grant, and then... Baker, I think, spots him in the cabin. And they're like, he's going after the sleeper. And then they're like, all right, we'll go on my signal. You tell me when Grant gets there. So then Grant looks around, gets to the sleeper, holds his gun, but shit, it's not him. Looks around, spots the sleeper. Oh, shit. All right. Uh. He jumps for him. He has to, like, hurdle himself over seats. Yeah, it's impressive. To go for the sleeper. And Rant blows the lights, and then they assault. The sleeper and Grant have this very long, intricate fight where Grant is winning most of the time, but still in the end, right before the sleeper dies, he's able to hit the button to, to arm the bomb. To arm the bomb. Just as Cahill 
disarms the bomb with the straw. By putting the straw in between the two leads so they don't touch. There's also a bunch of turbulence during this time period. Because it's amazing that it's smooth sailing except for the times when I need it not to be. (laughs) But at the worst possible times, this fucking plane hits turbulence. Well, it happens. Mm-hmm. Really? It's amazing. Down. The time when they were breaching, turbulence. No other turbulence. The time they tried to storm the bomb, no turbulence. Mm-hmm. Now, the climax of the movie, turbulence. A terrorist <laughs> shoots out one of the walls and depressurizes the cabin. That's so why people fly out the side flying. of the plane. Peace out. That's why you don't shoot holes, shoot guns in planes. But in one the hole end, and that happens. That's how the pilots earlier, when they saw that light, they knew everything was fine. Why? Because... That wasn't happening. <laughs> but in the end, they regain control of the plane. Because they have to go. And they they're back, back. And the America has control of the plane. I like how they show the cockpit. Like, all right, we're good. No, we're not. Go back to the cabin. Those guys are still freaking the fuck out because it's sucking everything out that yeah. hole. But Hassan shoots Rat. Rat goes up to tell the pilots that they're in control. But Hassan shoots him. Rat falls down dead immediately because that's how bullets work. He doesn't die. Grant then goes up to find Rat and sees Rat's body and is like, oh no, looks up. There's Hassan. Hassan and Grant have a standoff. No, Hassan and Grant have a standoff. That's what I said. And Grant tells him it's over and shows him that he has the super secret bomb switch. We know all about your plans and we have put all your your plans down. There will be no bomb. But what does he ask him? Who are you? And he says, says, nobody. He says, no one. Mm -hmm. Because in Fast and Furious, his name is Mr. Nobody. (gasps) The same character. That's a stretch. (laughs) No, no. So Grant, after all of this, was like, I'm into this espionage, high-tech shit, became a government agent (laughs) by the name of Mr. Nobody. So what you're telling me is that the... Executive this is in the decision. Fast and the Furious. Okay, excellent. It's a prequel to the Fast Furious. A, pre- a secret prequel. All right. A sequel. A sequel, that's right. A sequel. And then Hassan's like... So Mr. Nobody's real name is Grant. Okay. Hassan says, it's <laughs> never over, and then uses his gun Machine to shoot gun. the pilots through the wall. You don't know having the right tool for the right job. And then a his... machine gun on a plane is always the wrong tool. And then mysteri- mysteriously, Grant, or Rat shoots Hassan because he's not dead. He was playing dead the whole time. He's playing possum. No, he's playing rat. But the pilots, the, job. the pilots, oh no, are dead. But don't worry, Grant jumps into the pilots. Everybody wants to miss the black. The pilot's player because we saw before, the pilot's chair, because we saw before that the Grant knows how to fly chair. a plane. Not this kind of play, but he knows the basic theory. He calls for help to Dulles, but they are not receiving them because the bullets have knocked out the receiver so they can hear Dulles, but Dulles can't hear them. Now, all of a sudden, Jean comes up into the cockpit because she's told the commandos, I need to go to the pilots for some reason. She's all of a sudden, got she's some there. kind of training. I don't know. Well, or she comes up there and he's like, the they can't hear me. I'm going to need your help. Grab the flight manual. So he asks her some questions, and she looks up tactical specs. And this was another moment of the bomb game for us. (laughs) Apparently, in the trivia, trivia, this is one of those real-life things where you would need to know this information, and with this basic information, you would be able to... Well, the 300-page book. I do believe they are required to have that manual in the cockpit, Yeah, Yeah. but I don't believe it would be very much useful right now. Well, I don't believe she could find it in a second. but, But how fast should I be going? Between 140 and 160 knots. But it would be 
Actually, I think it would be, it would probably be landing procedures would be a section and she would just turn there and find it. So I think maybe, maybe. slightly, slightly longer. But this is one of those things that experts say has a very real, real feel. As opposed to, you know, when they climbed up that sleeve and boarded the plane. <laughs> well, so, that's magic. Steve, and Steven Seagal but, died, never happened. But Grant does miss. You ever watch his TV show where he was a lawman? No. He, he's he got his approach anyway. pass, but he's coming in too high and he misses the runway. So then she's like, you're going to have to go up and turn around. He's like, that's too complicated. I cannot handle that. And then he spots, you know what? I know where I am. My airfield is right over there. So then he You know, decides, for the really small planes? Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to land at I'm going to land this giant bed. fucking plane on this what, little airport. What is very important to note here is that there are emergency vehicles all set up on the runway in Dulles. And then they see the plane miss them by a mile. And somehow these ambulances are as fast as a plane. Because when they get to Brandon <laughs> Airport and Grant successfully lands the plane, all of a sudden all the ambulances are right there. <laughs> Well, they didn't show you the five minutes where they waited, like, all right, no one move. <laughs> but they do land the plane with only minor mishaps. Dude, this time they all said shit, but they didn't have to it cover their ass because they actually shit. Yeah. Yes, lots of damage. And, and he ends, ends up in, in the, the sand. sand. But I don't think the plane was ever going to stop. <laughs> yeah. So they get all the passengers off, and then everybody's getting in ambulances. Hammond hey, pulled you off. And Rat gives Grant a salute, and he salutes him back. Lots of mutual respect here. And then uh, Grant asks uh, Jean out for a coffee. He asks her if she likes hockey, and she says, no, I only like baseball. Do you know why? Which was a nod to her then-husband, David Justice. Who played for the? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. <laughs> Yankees? Sure. Cardinals? Yankees. Okay. And then he asks Jean out for coffee, and she says yes. And uh, a car pulls up, and it's like, sir, you're needed at the Pentagon. And he takes Jean with him. But then she goes to work for John Travolta. Whoa. Because... During the time where he was in this meeting, she couldn't go in the meeting. She was sitting outside. So John Travolta walks by and goes, wow, you could be useful. Would you like a job? Project Swordfish. And then she changes And she name. says, do I have to get on an airplane? And he says, no. And she's like, I'm in because she is never getting on a plane again. Right. Wow. Prequel to Swordfish. Like, so Tony's like, all these people need to be debriefed. They're not just leaving. Oh, I know. You can't just leave. Well, so you can go to Channel 10 and go, guess what happened? Like, actually, you're coming with us. That's the We're end of talk our about movie. This. John, it's your birthday. Would you like to go first? Oh, shit. All right, so my favorite character is Grant. Mm -hmm. um, my least favorite character is Austin. Mm -hmm. Travis. Yep. Um, my favorite line is, I hope the smell doesn't give us away, because it mm -hmm. started an actual fight. Um... My favorite tertiary object is the phone that the lady had. You love a big phone. I love me a big phone because she had a big Zach Morris phone. When, Zach Morris code phone? Yeah. <laughs> when he was trying to go for a solo mission, she popped out the big-ass phone. Yes. Mm -hmm. And my favorite scene is the one where, um, what's it, Steven Seagal was flying down. The CG, <laughs> where, where, where CGI Steven Seagal was flying underneath the plane. Because okay. I remember watching this in the theater for the first time. I was fucking dumbfounded. Oh, and they killed was. him off like yeah. that. They I was in a room with people and everybody was like, whoa, shit. Yeah. I was like, did they really kill him off? And they were like, no, he's coming back. I'm like, no, he flew away. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> no one could believe. Like, we real, all had this little thing like, he's coming back. It's a real Drew Barrymore in Scream yeah, situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? Whoa. Um, I will yay this. Mm -hmm. it's, of course you will. It's good. It's, it's not my favorite Die Hard-esque movie. Whenever I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch it. I'm never going to be like, I want an executive decision. Because Die Hard is always an option. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't regret seeing it, and I will watch it again sometime. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Thanks. That's a crisp high five, or crisper than the last one. Carly, what'd you think? All right. My favorite character was Cappy. Mm-hmm. My least favorite character was Hassan. My favorite scene was landing the plane. It was really the only time that I was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line was, if you screw up, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. And my favorite tertiary object was the taillight Morse code. I like that. That's true about bomb guys. Like, if you get this wrong, you don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> if you see a bomb guy running, just try to keep up. <laughs> and I'll maybe it. I was not. Wow, I thought you'd get this for sure. I was not super into it. I don't like to name birthday picks. Fine. I was if, not super into if it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I was like kind it. of okay. bored by it. But she I said maybe it's canon. I can see why people would like it. <laughs> Tony. Elaine's mad. It's she's my bag. My favorite character is Rat. Mm-hmm. My least favorite character is always going to be Steven Seagal. My favorite scene is basically, well, my and specific favorite scene is when any scene that Steven Seagal's not in. Right. It's like Wazama when he's doing the uh, the zipline zip zip line thing. I love those in movies when they do the I got a zipline mm-hmm. and be careful and all that. that was really cool. My favorite line was um, I think I think B D Wong says it, but somebody asks how they're doing, how they're gonna, how this is looking, how they're doing. And he says we're looking up the ass of a dead dog, but we got to try. Mm-hmm. Favorite tertiary object is the straw. Mm. Is that tertiary? Mm-hmm. It diffuses the bomb. <laughs> um, I will maybe it. This movie is very long and very boring. And <laughs> if you watch the last half hour of it, I would watch it, but I would pretty much skip the first hour and ten minutes of it. An hour and a half. Nothing you're happens. You're talking about the last half hour. Yeah. Well, it's you're like skipping a, the first hour and 40 it's minutes. It's like a two-hour <laughs> and ten-minute movie. Yeah. Um, it definitely could have used some editing. My favorite character is Rat. My least favorite character is Senator Mavros because I don't appreciate politicians taking advantage of he tragedies. Is. He's a turd. They all do. My favorite scene... Machiavelli is the first person super credited with saying that. that <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so that's a my, long time ago. <laughs> my favorite scene is when they're boarding the plane via the stealth plane and sleeve, <laughs> and then we get Bye Bye Steven. It was a big deal when it first came out. People were shocked that they killed off Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. But at the, and even now, it's still fun to watch because it's like, oh, here he goes, here he goes, here he goes. Well, I did not watch my, it. I was just like, no, I guess My favorite done. line <laughs> is. At the time, it was a really big act. It was a really big deal. My favorite line is, of course, call the president. It's an executive decision. <laughs> she does like that's a the titular name of the movie. line. I love a titular line that makes me happy. <laughs> she goes, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. My favorite tertiary object is Morris Code. Because there was a period during the 80s and 90s. During where, Saved by the Bell. Where things were solved via Morris, Morris code. code. So when you wake up in the morning. And the alarm goes out of warning. Is that in Morse code? <laughs> but, but it's all right because you're saying. But they had this. They had this in a bunch of movies where Morse code saved the day. The most Morse doing it on purpose. I said it correctly. I said Morse. Morse. That's how I say Morse. No, you said Morse. You said it right that time. I didn't say Morse. I said Morse. More code. Morse. <laughs> The most famous movie, or the biggest movie that uses this particular trope, I think, is Independence Day. Oh, when, old Morris Code. It says, when oh, they, oh, yo. When they're coordinating the, all the attacks oh, around the world, they right. use like, Morse is Code. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Use building code. I will give this a yay because I think it's very good. I enjoy it quite a bit, and I would happily watch it again. It is slow, and you do remember there being more action than there actually is. There's way too many flashes to the talk to the Pentagon fools talking. <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, they get ready to breach, but then they don't. They get ready to breach, and then they don't. They get ready to breach, and then they finally do. It's like too many breach teases. Nobody <laughs> likes a breach tease. But that is that. Hey, Carly. All right, well... Please find us on facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast. And you can email our movie podcast at gmail.com. You could contact us via either of those methods. If you know which episode we talked about the crocodile on the facts. Yes. I'm like, fuck, I already forgot about it. (laughs) Carly's not going to win the duck. I didn't, I wasn't even in the running. We are, we are members of the podcast. We are not able to win prizes. Oh (laughs) my God. This is such a long fucking yingling ad. All right. Hey, can you talk a little louder? Let's talk about how you can tune in next week on the podcast. For John's pick. For his birthday. Birthday, special birthday birthday pick. He can pick any movie he wants in existence. Except movies that we've picked already. Yeah. So he's got 277 movies. I was going to do another movie. You're going to do Harley Davidson tomorrow, bro. Again. We're going to have a retrospective. Harley Davidson tomorrow, man. Again. Part (laughs) D. No, I picked a different movie. Hmm. It's a very um, Tony's dress for He's wearing a shirt now. It's written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh wow! That's funny because this so movie weird. is. You're doing in- Jackie Brown? Nope. Reservoir Dogs. No. Once Kill upon Bill? a time Volume in two? Hollywood. 2019. I mean, I don't know if Elaine can handle that. She might be like, I've oh. seen them before. We have them on DVD. <laughs> so do we. All right, then. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>